Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know about you, but I love the idea of a big declutter. Wouldn't it be great to have everything from your home transported to a warehouse, like in Stacey Solomon's Sort Your Life Out programme, where you could go through it all item by item? Sadly, that's not an option for most of us, so we have to muddle through with the space we've got or the lack of it. That's why today I've called on the help of Victoria Trevor, an expert declutterer based in Henley and Arden. Victoria is bursting with ideas on how you can get rid of all your clutter and, more importantly, stay on top of it afterwards, even if you have little ones running around messing it all up. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. A mum herself, Victoria is part of A Tidy Mind, a company that helps people change their daily habits and clear out the physical and mental clutter to create a more calm and contented home life. She says that clutter tends to creep up on us without us realising it. A bit like putting on weight and that we should stop and think every time we bring something new into our homes whether we've actually got the space and the time to care for it. She has great tips for encouraging tidying habits amongst every family member, including using constellation charts, labels, reverse gifting and storage to help you love your home again. So let's get straight into finding out how we can get started. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I think decluttering is something that a lot of us think about a lot of the time. I know I do. (laughs) And particularly this time of year, I think we feel that we kind of our houses feel really cluttered after Christmas and we want a bit of a fresh start for spring. Why do you think we let clutter build up, even though most of us do despise it? I think it's, it, it's a lot of fighting against us, Zoe. I think like life is really busy. You know, most people are, um, you know, working. They're working parents, like in respect of your listeners. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of time it takes a bit longer to do than we realise it does. So it kind of gradually creeps up on us. Like we don't just wake up one day and it's all there. It kind of life events happen and. We've got out of the habit of being able to, you know, easily move things out of our houses and more stuff comes in. It's really easy to fill up and not as easy to fill down, if that makes sense. Um, So, you know, I think that's what happens with it. It creeps up on us um, is the main thing that happens to people. Yeah. 
So what would be your advice to someone who's feeling quite overwhelmed by the just the amount of stuff they have lying around? So yeah, absolutely. And I, I get people contact me all the time and their genuine feeling is is that ranges from just a bit of frustration and overwhelm to genuine anxiety and, you know, a lot of, of, of pressure about it. So if you are, you know, sat there kind of surrounded by Rice Krispies on the floor and crumpled uniforms and all the rest of it that comes with kids, I would say the main thing is start small and build big. Um, start with small areas. Um, don't decide to do your whole house in one afternoon. Start build and, and build from there. Pick one drawer, one shelf, you know, and build and build and build. And before you know it, you're going to start, re, you know, feeling the difference and it's going to give you the motivation to continue. Obviously, as you've just mentioned, it gets a lot worse when we have kids. <laughs> are there any practices or habits we can put into place when children are really little so that that can kind of help to start the process? A hundred percent. Now, everybody's kids mature at different ages. So some of the things I'll, I'll mention will be good for different children at different ages. But definitely getting kids involved as early as you think your kids understand what you're doing is really important. It's a real life skill to learn how to manage your home and the things that you own. You know, you've got to remember that this is like, you know, that kind of online shopping generation, that kind of click, click, deliver tomorrow type of type of thing. And I think um, getting them involved and understanding that the things we own are not just about whether we can afford them they're about the fact that we want to look after them and clean them and store them and you know all the things that come with ownership of anything is really important so making it a bit of a team event as well um so try where possible to get them involved in it if it's their things get them to think about it so one of a really good thing for little kids especially um is a constellation chart now the way i create these is by just getting you know a dark piece of cards or poster paper so black not you know navy that kind of color put it up somewhere nice in your house put above it um you know the Chamberlain or the Trevor family star chart like constellations then you're going to get those tiny little gold stars okay so you get them from from loads of different places they're really cheap and the important thing about this is it's not a star chart for the kids it's a sort of a it's, a, it's a picture for everyone in the house, okay? So it's stars and rewards for everyone. So in our house, mummy um, gets one for uh, cooking dinner. Daddy gets one for putting your shoes away. So, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you that there's a lot of, like, you know, comparatives there for the kids giving them out. But the kids give them to us <laughs> and we give them to the kids. So everybody's involved in it. So it's not just about the kids' good behaviour or they're doing well. It's about them recognising that we're part of a team and they get to say to mummy and daddy, you've done a really good job. You know, it's lovely when my son says to me, oh, you've done a really good job with the cleaning, mummy. <laughs> and then I get like, you know, a star from him and things like that. So that's a great way of getting little kids involved. That's lovely. I love the idea of you creating a picture together as well, something for everyone to feel proud of. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that like my 18 month old can stick a sticker on. So it doesn't matter where it goes. We've not got to get it in line. We're not kind of aiming for anything in particular. So you can kind of go, oh, well, when we get to, you know, lots of stars, maybe we'll do something lovely. But you don't have to do that. Like it can just be its own reward. So, you know, you don't have to be particularly, you know, crafty to do this. It's just a piece of paper with some stickers on. So, you know, um, go, go for it and see if that helps. That, that kind of being a team event is really important. I love that. It's a great idea. Have you got any other pr- practical suggestions? 
Yeah, so I think um, there's a couple, we've just missed it, but, you know, definitely getting, if you're prepared to think about getting ready for Christmas next time or birthdays, Christmas and birthdays are a great time to have a bit of a declutter before it happens, okay? So we know that those are two influx times for kids. It always is, you know, it, it will always be. So get them thinking about what they don't need anymore and take them to the charity shops, you know, take them to do it so they see the end result um, of where these things are going. Kids, Kids usually get on board pretty well with this if they understand they're not going in the bin. That what frightens them is if their special stuff feels a bit like it's going to just go in the bin. Whereas if we can kind of explain to them that it lives on and it's giving somebody else joy somewhere else, then, you know, that's a really great way of doing that. And before birthdays and Christmas, plan about a month before and start chipping away at a few things then is a really great way of doing it. Um, You know, I definitely would recommend that. And I guess just my third thing on, on that while I'm thinking about it would probably be speak to family and friends, you know, give the gift of experience and you never run out of space. Okay, so, you know, family want to show that they love your kids. They want to get them stuff. You know, you can do vouchers for going out for ice cream, getting to cash them in at some point in the year. Nannies and grannies and granddads and aunties and uncles and all these people. It's then their time is what is really what your kids really want with them. So if they can do that, you know, this is a token to take you to the park. This is a token to get hot chocolate somewhere. Then you can cash them in. Ring me up when you want to cash it in and we'll arrange it. They're great gifts as well that don't add to the stuff in your home. Yes, that's a good idea. So what about sentimental stuff? This is, I think it's particularly hard for mums. You know, you've got all of their schoolwork, um, you've got their certificates, any any kind of awards or medals they've got. What do you do with all of that stuff, or particularly all the pictures they've drawn you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that, that's that's the tough point for, for everybody, I think. So the first thing is to think carefully about who you're keeping it for. So if you're keeping every single birthday card they've ever been given because you think they will want them, I'm telling you now, they don't want them and they won't want them, okay? So if you're keeping stuff because you think they'll want them in the future, they don't, I mean, close your eyes and think to yourself, how would you feel if your parents turned up and said, oh, here's Zoe, here's every birthday card you've ever been given from 0 to 18. You'd be horrified with the amount of the stuff of it would be. (laughs) So think carefully when you're keeping stuff to start with. Then what I say um, is curation. So when you go to museums and stuff, you know, great museums stuff, they don't just throw everything out, do they? They they think carefully about choosing a couple of good things that are, are, are kind of, you know, are highlights that tell the story. So try to think carefully about telling the story of that, of that academic year. Maybe they took off with their writing and they wrote a really good poem. Don't keep every poem they wrote, just keep one or two. Um, a great way for, for art, um, cause we all end up with lots, especially the little, little kids come home with lots of paintings and lots of drawings. If you get that, um, do you know what I mean by washi tape? Um, that colored, colored kind of tape you can get and use it for stationary stuff. Yeah. Draw out a square on your, um, wall. Uh, it's low tack, which is why I always recommend it. So it doesn't damage any paint or anything like that then that can be their display area. So find a nice place. Ours is in our hallway because they like to see it when they come out and that. Um, then they choose what goes up. So there's a certain amount of space in the house that's dedicated. It's their, it's their gallery. Um, and then they get involved with, with oh, actually, mummy, I like this one better than that one. Um, and then you can constantly, you know, get them involved in what they would like to keep as well. And what do you do if you have a child who's a bit of a natural hoarder? Yeah, okay. 
So what I would say with that is, is, is start early. Um, if, you, if you can see that in your kids, then it's definitely something to focus on just as much as we focus on behaviors and like learning to cook and money management and all these things that we kind of think about. Let, teaching our kids about letting go of stuff and being okay with that is as important as taking care of the stuff that, we, that we're quite good at, aren't we? As mums and dads, we're quite good at kind of, you know, take care of your stuff. We're not always that great at, at the letting go. So I say, go carefully, show them you doing it. So do get them involved in helping you let go of some of your things um, and, and seeing them go somewhere. Give them confidence that you're, you're getting good at doing it and that will give them a bit more confidence about doing it. Um, never clear out when they're at school. <laughs> it's so tempting to go, oh, I'm just going to go in their bedroom and, and, you know, and rack through everything. I would say be really careful with that because that can be quite heart-stopping. Imagine if you went to work one day and came home and somebody had cleared out all your special stuff. So let them get as involved as is possible. It might not be where you would like it to be. It might not be as perfect as you would like it to be, but it will be a learning process and taking them in the direction that you want them to be part of it. And what about the things that we kind of end up... I don't know, stockpiling like toiletries and cleaning products, things like that. There's a great lady um, called Gretchen Rubin, who your readers might have heard about. And if they have that, great. And if not, then look her up because she writes lots of really great stuff about being happy at home. And a lot of it is related to the things we own. Now, she talks about overbuyers and underbuyers. So if you're the person that goes out and goes, oh, I'm going to have 10 bottles of shampoo because it's on special offer and all of that kind of stuff, I always try to say to people, you know, be careful with that. Let's you know, store it in the shop at the end of the day. These things do come round on special for quite a lot. There's a few caveats to that, and I understand that if you if you've got, you know, particular allergies and all this kind of stuff. There are people that do that do buy a lot um, for very good reason. But you know, you don't want to live in the Amazon warehouse. You're not living in it's your home. It's not a storage facility. It's your home. So you know, have have an allocated amount of space, like in the bathroom, for instance. And when it starts kind of creeping over and then you've got, you're having to store it in the kitchen or store it on the stairs, um, you know, there's nobody in life with more false hope than a mother who puts stuff on the stairs for their parent, their kids to take upstairs. I would say <laughs> that is so the, the ultimate. I mean, my family will just walk over it, literally. They'll just stand over it. So, yeah, keep keep that sort at the shop. You don't need think carefully about whether it's worth the space in your home. Yes, somebody said to me once we ought to put value on the space in our home, like almost as if you were paying for storage in a warehouse. A hundred percent. It's it's prime. You know, it's 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 absolutely that. And that's when we do people's homes with um, what we do is we work on that, like kind of you know, like the 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 innermost part of your home the bits you use the most the kitchen surfaces they're like prime real estate like that needs to earn its space it's going to be there it's got to be worth it being there and that works all its way out to the loft which you know is where you know the Christmas decorations go for most of the year and you know the the holiday stuff for two weeks away yeah absolutely it needs to earn its space because everything we own we like I say before everything you you bring into your house you then need to clean feed store manage depending on what it is and it's and it and it chips away at you so so when you get that feeling of overwhelm most people feel this urge to get organized but what you need to do is less stuff first you can't yes. be organized if you've got less stuff you just can't do it so edit 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 is the first stage of any of it 
And what about clothes? So many of us keep clothes thinking, oh, I might wear that one day or I might fit in that again one day. Absolutely. And that's really common. I'd say probably toys, paperwork and clothes are our top three that I, I kind of help people with. So where clothes are concerned, a lot of the books you might read about decluttering, if you've gone down that road and you've got really motivated and you've got some books and, you know, you've been looking at it, quite a percentage of them are American. It started, you know, a lot of them are. And then they tend to have very distinct seasons. If you think of like the East Coast of America, they know it's going to be hot and they know it's going to be cold. Unfortunately, we're not as great at that here. We've got a rough kind of, we're a bit more fluid with our, with our temperatures, aren't we, over the years. So I don't normally go for total seasonal change for people just because I feel like it doesn't always work for people um, practically. What I say is, is separate out what I call true winter, like the whole, like, you know, clothes you'd wear, like if it's genuinely snowing and the true summer, which is the stuff you'd wear, like on the beach, going on holiday kind of type of of clothing. And in the middle, have a look at it and go through by category. If you're keeping loads of different sizes, if you're that person that's keeping their size six jeans from when they were 18, before they had their children, like what I would say is don't make yourself feel bad every time you open your wardrobe. You know, many women need to keep sizes one side of either what their regular size is, and that's fine. But if you're on an active diet, keep one pair of jeans that's like, you know, the size that you're that you that you would like to be that you're kind of aiming towards. But the truth is, if you become a size six again, then you will deserve a new pair of jeans. So don't keep the ones from when you were 18. You know what? Like if you if you achieve that, then rock on, you deserve you deserve some new clothes, I say. And so what do you, you've mentioned books and things. What do you think about uh, Marie Kondo? I know people talk about her method, uh, particularly her folding methods and how you have to decide if things give you joy, whether you keep them or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I um, unsurprisingly read all of Marie Kondo's stuff and, and I do kind of a lot of follow of it. I think as with anything, there's never one size that fits all. So it's great for some people and not so great for other people. So the folding method that she's that she's got on there, and you'll see lots of people do YouTube videos with that. So if you want to have a look at it, it's called file folding, and it's brilliant. It's the reason. Um, it's definitely what I would recommend for um, drawers or anything like that. That's the reason why um, you don't need to have you know um, you, you pull out the bottom one and then they all get in a mess of the way. So file folding is brilliant. Could you describe how that works, just in case anyone's not seen it? Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, file folding is effectively, if you think of of your clothes like paperwork in a filing cabinet, that's what it's called, file folding, sorry. So you're folding everything into what is effectively a rectangle or a square, and then you stack them one behind each other as if they are files in a filing cabinet rather than on top of each other. So you know when you go in a shop and you want the size whatever and you pull one out the bottom and then this poor person has to go around the shop refolding everything because people like you and I pull the one out that's bottom. That's what you don't have to do if you file folded them, okay? So when they're in there, um, it just makes it much, much easier to see what you've got. It's great for kids and all of that kind of stuff. So that's what file folding is. And for clothes, she's, she's definitely... Um, you know been kind of like leader where that's concerned and I'd say yeah definitely have a go at that if you've not seen it um it's really good I think probably one thing I would say is British people generally and I am being quite generalistic here because some people are great at it don't really tune to the spark joy as easily I think as some other cultures do so you know I don't hold the radiator key in my hand and think this is sparking me joy um you know it's not like I'm not loving it I'm not kind of thinking you know, maybe I should be more grateful, quite frankly, (laughs) maybe I should be more grateful to it. So we tend to kind of go with a bit more of a, do you need it? Do you use it? Do you love it kind of method? So, 
you know, the pictures on the wall that we were talking about before from the little kids, um, we don't really need them. Um, if we display them, I guess we're using them, but we love them. So they're staying. You know, the radiator key, we don't love it. And we maybe we occasionally use it when we remember to, but we need it. So it's staying. So 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 the spark joy bit can, can be translated a little bit into something that maybe you can find more easy to, to make your decisions with. But as a, as a concept, her kind of processes are, are a great place to kind of get some inspiration from if you're looking to start somewhere. And what did you make of the Stacey Solomon program, Sort Your Life Out? I think a lot of people watched that. It was were quite kind of inspired by it. Yeah, it worked for you know, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I, and i tell you the reasons why. Um, because I felt like it was real people. So we're really keen. I'm really keen that, you know, we're not here to create Instagram before and afters, although they are great and we love them. And, you know, it's always really interesting to see a before and after photo. But we're really trying to create before and after people with before and after lives. And I think that is what I really felt they did really well on that program. Like they they didn't spend an absolute fortune on really expensive, um, you know, uh, storage and everything. They... They used what the people had got and, you know, they, they, were, they were regular everyday people. And that's probably one of my biggest messages about it all is, is that you're not alone. Like if you are sat there at the moment on the sofa just thinking, I just can't cope and feeling like overwhelmed, it comes with a real sense of failure. And I felt like that program really managed to show us that these are our everyday people. They're your neighbours, they're the person on the next street. They are regular people who have just become overwhelmed with what they've got. You are not alone. You know, it is possible to sort it out. And I felt like that was a really, really good message from the programme. Yes. And storage, as you say, was a real key part of that. What would be some of your practical storage solutions? I would say um, store it where you use it is a really important one. And a classic one for that, because um, you'll probably have people, um, you'll definitely have people listening to this that have got girls' hair. So they kind of, keep their girls hair things up in their bedrooms but actually they do their girls hair at the dining table and I always say well why aren't we keeping it there because what happens is it gets left on the stairs and it gets left on the sofa and then you've got yes. baby grips and all the rest of it so store it where you use it is a real key thing so don't think about where somebody once told you that you should keep it because that's the traditional place keep it where your family uses it so cut the paths down of where things are going to be stored okay so if you're going to do that, like I say, you know, find a little drawer or a little basket in the in the dining room and keep it there because that's where you do their hair. Or, you know, if you leave the house using the back door, don't keep all the shoes at the front door. You know, that's the kind of thing. So think ergonomically around your house. Then I would just say, you know, you don't need to be, it doesn't need to be expensive. Okay, start off with a cheap system. You can use kind of cardboard for dividers in things and if that system's working for you and you've done your declutter you can then kind of you know treat yourself to some of the nicer stuff which maybe goes with the interior design of your house so you know take it slow and build it slow don't immediately go out and buy loads of storage you want to declutter and edit first and then as you say group items together and then maybe label those boxes yeah so um absolutely label labeling is brilliant you'll see you know loads of really great instagram pictures for that i would say find your middle ground with it it can be you know a little over the top for some people for instance like you know don't kind of do something that's going to take so much of your time you know you're busy people like it's really busy like i don't decant my cereal breakfast cereals for instance I um, fold them over so you can fold them really carefully at the top and it will keep them just as, um, you know, airtight as it would. Now, 
because I didn't feel like it was really, we go through so much that it was like I didn't really feel like it was worth my time so where it kind of is on show and it looks really pretty and it might be in your living room or on your open shelves or something then definitely but don't kind of make a rod for your own back by thinking that you've got to have beautiful chalk labels on everything um you know where it's useful is is good um to do I love one of the things you said to me about people wanting an Instagram friendly hallway and you saying, well, I could do that for you, but then you'd have to find another another yeah. door to walk in and out of. <laughs> uh, I know, absolutely. And I, oh, and I, my heart goes out to the people that say to me, oh, I've seen this on Instagram and I, and I kind of want it to look like that. And I think, do you know what? If you've got four kids, like you're not having a pale grey sofa that looks like that. Like there's a level of practicality. You can, but you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to keep it like that. So you know, keep, keep your, you're not creating a show home, okay? What you want to be, what I always say to people is, you want a home where I say, oh, um, you know, Zoe, I'm coming to see you at the weekend, and you say, that's brilliant, great. And then I call on Thursday, and I say, oh, I'm really sorry, the kids are sick, I can't come. And your gut reaction wants to be, oh, no, I was really looking forward to seeing you, not, oh, thank goodness, I've not got time to ask. <laughs> yes. So that's the sort of house we're looking for. We're not looking for a show home. We're not looking for that Instagram picture because they don't live like that. Like they don't live like that all the time. You know, um, be realistic. You want it to be comfortable for all of you to be in. Um, you know, you might have to meet in the middle with your with your kids about where things might be. Um, but yeah, just you you want you want a comfortable place to be, not not a show home that makes everybody feel a bit on edge because they can't move anything. Yeah. So, what kind of uh, impact do you think clutter has on our mental health? And so, what? does decluttering do for our mental health yeah so there's um there's some great stuff if you're interested in all of the kind of you know uh, sort of psychologies and everything that goes behind it and all that kind of thing then have a look at a, a thing called the happiness institute they're based in denmark which probably won't surprise people that scandinavian countries always come out top on these kind of happiness uh, scales um they did in 2019 they did a big report um on what makes people happier at home and they did um, a lot about people kind of home ownership and how they felt about it. And really what came out on top was that a light and open home was what made people happier. It made people by percentage happier than their income and happier than their jobs. So it wasn't the case that a bigger house made people happier. So if you're thinking, oh, we need, we need a bigger house, it may not be that. It may be that you need less stuff. Um, there were just as many people that were really happy in you know, studio flats that they rented as there were in people in mansions. The key was light and space. So I think that was really interesting for me to read about that, that link to happiness in, in your home. Um, and I guess it's about micro stress as well. So you may have heard of kind of the concepts of macro and micro stress, but macro stress is things like, you know, global pandemics, and a accident on the M42 that means you can't get into work on time. Things that are a little out of your control. Micro stress is about waking up in the morning and all of your clothes are things that fit you. You've got a washing system going so there's uniform for the kids that you don't have to root around for. Um, you know, there's kind of bread and milk and all these kind of things. That's micro stress, okay? So that's the little bits that chip away at your resilience before you've even left the house. So decluttering and organizing your home manages your micro stress, which allows you more kind of resilience to deal with your macro stress. Is that making sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I think that's kind of where I would come at. It's not, it's not that, you know, having an organized home is literally going to revolutionize your life. What it's going to do is free up 
your emotions and your resilience to enjoy life more um, and do the things you want to do instead of being tidying your home all the time. So what were you doing before you were a professional declutterer? So I was, um, I had a career in the probation service. So I was, um, I worked for uh, Warwickshire and then a bit for West Mercia probation service for about 15 years before I did this, um, which, you know, I absolutely loved and, you know, really enjoyed. Um, but then, you know, kids come along and, you know, life changes and I decided to look for a different route. And I kind of distilled everything down and realised that what I really loved was people being in a better position than when I first met them and me helping them do that and what was it that I really enjoyed and I just found that my surroundings made such an impact on me that I knew that it it would do on other people so um that's why I kind of went down that road then and yeah and a few years later now here I am (laughs) and how old are your kids so I have one little boy Noah who is five and one little girl who is 18 months called Maeve Tell me a bit about some of the projects you've worked on with other families. What has been their experiences? So um, I work with, 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 with everyone and anyone, really. So, you know, if you're kind of thinking about what the top things are, I love to work with families just because I guess it's a real crunch point in your life when, 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 the, when the clutter peaks. And it can be really stressful when you're trying to deal with children when your house is out of control. So I guess, some of the things I love to do and I do a lot of are playrooms, you know, getting control of that. I love to do women's wardrobes because I love people. I feel like it really does make people feel good. Um, and, you know, outer order equals inner calm. That's that's the truth. Um, and I think anything that, that any of the projects I've really worked on are just really where that hot point is for that house, like that flashpoint. So it might be hallways kitchens anywhere really where it's it's causing the issue and the real the real kind of joy and passion for me comes in seeing that unwind and then just finding it easier so are there any tips that you've picked up from working with clients that you now incorporate into your home you know yeah I was I was thinking about that a little a few days ago like what have I kind of taken and it's hard to kind of pin it down because I I kind of pride myself on trying to provide inspiration and motivation for people as, as much as, you know, with the skills that I, that I come with. But I just find that I get inspired by all the people that I meet because it might not be necessarily the practical stuff, but it's, it's people taking a moment to say, I'm just not in a place where I need to be and I need to just change this up. And I just find that really kind of fulfilling to see people make those changes. So I guess what I take away with me each time I see somebody is, is another kind of, injection of that of that strength about how how you know making that decision to to change things up um is 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 so important and I meet people doing all sorts of different things so I don't know if um there's specific things but it's this general feeling of you know being really inspired by people changing their lives around which I love to love with people yeah has it changed your outlook on life yeah definitely um like without shadow of a doubt the more I do it, the better I kind of become at making much more conscious choices about what we own. Um, I'm much better. Like, for instance, when I had Maeve, I was much more in tune to what I really needed for her rather than what every marketing person was telling me that I needed to be spending my money on, which I completely fell into with Noah. Um, and I think, you know, definitely going forward, like I'm much more conscious about when I bring something in, like I said earlier, it's not just about whether I can afford it, it's about whether I want to 
bother with storing it and whether it's worth my effort, for want of a better phrase, whether it's worth my energy, because each bit is a bit of energy. Um, so I definitely think, yeah, like I'm, I'm much more in tune to where things come from. I'm much more conscious consumer than I ever used to be, definitely. That's a really good way of thinking about it. I don't think I've ever thought about it like that before. We have a series of questions that we ask all of our guests, so I'm going to fire them at you if that's okay. Okay, that's right, okay. <laughs> so what would be two things you would tell your 18-year-old self if you had the chance? Oh, gosh. I'm pretty confident my 18-year-old self wouldn't listen to a single word that I have to say, to be honest with you, because I was the kind of person that knew everything at 18. But <laughs> if that person did listen to me, I would probably say, don't believe the top 10% or the bottom 20% of what anyone says about you. Okay, that's a bit of a mantra for me in life. And it might, it's not necessarily decluttering related, but uh, in that sense, I always say, you know, yeah, so you're always somewhere in the middle. You're, you're, you're probably not as great as that person thinks you are, but you're definitely not as bad as that other person thinks you are. <laughs> okay, so you're somewhere in the middle is probably one of them. And I guess I'd probably, yeah, take a bit further one of my favorite sayings from Gretchen Rubin, which is, um, what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. And I think what I would probably try to get my 18-year-old self to realize is that the big things are great. You know, the big things are brilliant, but real joy comes in the everyday. So find a bit of joy in the everyday. Don't lose those little bits because they're what really matter. That's the really good stuff, the everyday stuff. That's probably what I'd try to get to understand. So what are three things you love to do every day? So what gives you a great start, a great routine, a great end to the day? I'm really lucky because I um, am in a position where I'm able to sit down with the kids and have breakfast and take them to school um, myself. So one of my things, I really love them to do that. Like I love to have that moment at the beginning of the day. Now, it might not be, you know, that you're able to kind of, you know, actually sit down properly at the dining table to have breakfast. You might be a bit more on the run. But if you can find that five minutes to kind of gather yourself together, I love that moment of like, right, what is everyone doing today? And is everybody ready? And just taking that bit of that stock. Um, that's definitely one of them. And then on the flip side to it, I love that like debrief. Like I always do with my son, you know, what three things were great today and what three things could we kind of like, you know, improve on tomorrow. So that start and stop of the day for me is, is really kind of good. I, I find that um, is really helpful to me to kind of, you know, debrief it and, and look at it that way. People use gratitude diaries, your, 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 um, your listeners may have read them, all those kind of things. So starting and stopping the day that way, I'm an avid reader. I got a new Kindle for Christmas and I just can't, like, can't stop it. I'm like every, a couple of pages every time, whenever I get five minutes. So that's probably my kind of thing I love to do every day. And what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to someone wanting to sort their life out or their home out? So I would say start now. Start now, start small and build big. Like it doesn't need to be Monday. It doesn't need to be January the 1st. I don't know why Monday became so special to start everything with. Well, we always do that, don't we? Diets, we start on Monday, we'll do it on Monday. Start today. Start, you know, like whenever day it is, you know, um, Start small, keep chipping away, and it's it's a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We're looking for a lifestyle change, not a crash diet. Um, and you know, you'll get there. You'll get there in the end, and it's worth doing. It's been great talking to you today, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us. I think you've given us so many great tips and advice there. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved talking to you. You can discover more of Victoria's tips on our Brummy Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. And find out more about A Tidy Mind on the website atidymind.co.uk. 
This is a laudable production brought to you by Brummy Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up for our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.